Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DevRaga Personal Finance special New Year's Eve episode. And this is a bonus episode. And in this episode, we're going to talk about 10 things that 2020 has taught us about money, or certainly has taught me about money. Now, this is going to air on New Year's Eve 2020. So I'd like to take the opportunity to wish all of my listeners a very happy and prosperous 2021. Um, this channel has seen a significant growth in listenership uh, with several thousand downloads um, per month. And uh, the listenership and support that I've received has been phenomenal. So thank you very much. And um, thank you to all the people that have participated in sending me questions and allowing me to answer those questions live on the episodes. And if you have any more questions, don't hesitate to keep them coming and if you're new to this channel, um, remember the three E's of the, uh, the main sort of aims of this channel. The first E is to be educated. We need to be educated and be financially literate. We need to learn about financial literacy. And I started this channel as a way to show my kids a blueprint about some of the basic financial concepts and principles that they can learn in the rare event that I'm not around to teach them. So being educated is really important. And with education comes empowerment. You can be empowered and take that knowledge to your qualified professional, whether they be a financial advisor, a financial planner, or an accountant or lawyer, and be able to speak to them at a level that you can understand in. So with education comes empowerment. And of course, the last day is to be entertained. Now, just a disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a financial planner, nor am I an accountant. So make sure if you're going to be taking anything from these episodes and making professional decisions about your finances, then take it to the qualified credentialed professionals before you do that. In other words, don't listen to some random guy ranting on the internet. But if you're looking for broad principles about what you can do with your finances, um, perhaps from a you know broad principles point of view, I think there are five things that you can do today. The first thing is pay yourself first. It means taking 20% of your after-tax income and putting it aside, that is your money, never to be touched again. Step two is you've got to take that money and invest. And you've got to invest it into things that you understand or want to understand. And step three is you'll get dividends or income from those investments. You never cash them out. You allow those dividends and income to be reinvested into those assets so that they grow over the long term. Step four is the long term. Long term isn't five, 10 or 15 years. When I'm saying long-term, I'm taking 20, 30, 
40 years plus. The longer you do it, the better for you, which means the earlier you start, the better for you. And the last step is to automate these steps as much as possible. Because if you automate it, you're going to have less chances of making mistakes. You're going to have less chances of forgetting to pay yourself. You're going to have less chances of forgetting to investing that money. So automation, I think, is really, really important. Now, why do we do this? If you did all of this, you're probably going to have more money than you'll ever need to retire on. And money doesn't bring you happiness. What money does is that it gives you options. And it gives you the option to make your life a little bit better. But most importantly, it gives you the option of making the lives of people around you a lot better. So you can use that money wisely. So to the main topic, what has 2020 taught us about money? Um, I think there are 10 lessons that 2020 has taught a lot of people. And certainly that has reinforced um, those lessons to me personally when it comes to my money and how I invest. So the first one is that debt is risky. Now, people borrow money, they leverage, and they can become very wealthy by using that borrowed money to invest in things that provides them with greater return uh, compared to the cost of that leverage. So the cost of the leverage is, you know, the application fees for the loan and principally the interest that's charged on the loan, which for most investments can be tax deductible in Australia. But leverage is not all without risk. The people that leveraged, the people that borrowed money, the people that had debt when the pandemic officially hit Australia and the rest of the world, some of them survived um, financially, some of them didn't. And the reason why they didn't survive financially is because they lost their primary income. Um, They lost their livelihoods. Some of them lost their businesses. Some of them lost their jobs. And it's through no fault of their own. Essentially, restrictions came about, lockdowns came about, and certainly in Victoria, lockdown 2.0 came about. And we're now sort of teetering on potential lockdown 3.0 if things don't go well. So when you have debt, it's a bit like swimming with a weight attached to your leg. Um, and trying to win a race. And whichever way you look at it, um, debt is a double-edged sword. It can certainly make you significantly rich and wealthy, but it can really burn you big time. I caught up with a colleague of mine, um, someone that I've known for a very long time, and he put it really, really nicely. He recently had a procedure And he said to me, Dev, the first thing that he thought about, this is what he said, when he underwent a procedure, which was life-saving, was if anything were to happen to him on the table, on the operating room, and he didn't make it, the only thing that he could think about at the time was he didn't have any debt. And that gave me gave him some solace 
that gave him some peace of mind. And of course, he, you know, had the procedure uneventfully and everything went well and it saved his life. But that is a very powerful thing to say. That is a very powerful statement to say that a doctor who saves lives for a living underwent a life-saving procedure and he felt that having no debt was the biggest non-burden that he could have had at the time. So it's a very humbling moment. So yeah, use debt wisely. I'm not a great fan of debt, as most of you probably know, most of my listeners. Um, but no doubt that debt can, debt can make you wealthy in the long run if used wisely. So just be very careful with it. Um, now I've discussed about debt extensively in my episodes. Um, in 51 and 7, I've talked about debt repayment strategies. In episode 30, I've talked about debt consolidation. In episode 31, I talked about debt recycling. This comes up on online forums all the time, using equity in your home and creating a line of credit and converting your non-deductible debt into deductible debt. Peter Thornhill talks about it. Very big fan. And episode 12, the basics, whether you invest your money or just pay off debt. So a lot of lessons to be learned this year when it comes to debt. The second point is emergency funds. We've learned that emergency funds is fundamental. It is essential. Now, in my view, there are two emergency funds. The first one is a simple, basic $1,000 emergency fund for your quick expenses, a flat tire, leaking roof, perhaps an electricity bill that's overdue, whatever it is. That money is just sitting in a separate account, never to be touched, and it's liquid cash ready to go. And the second emergency fund is more of a serious emergency fund. And coronavirus pandemic in 2020 was an emergency, is an emergency. If you got affected by the pandemic, by loss of income, loss of job, or even you got COVID-19 or became sick, then that is your emergency fund that you can use. And that is the three to 12 months worth of either expenses, or in my view, three to 12 months worth of income. Now, I know that having three to 12 months worth of income is quite aggressive and quite difficult to do. So I understand that. That's generally my rule. But if you wanted to do three to 12 months of expenses, that's fine as well. But if anything, we've learned one thing out of 2020, that is to have nothing, no emergency fund, not accessible. Um, it's a big mistake. Now, imagine if you had your emergency fund invested in the stock market at the start of January and in March, the stock market crashed by 30%. Imagine that, that the money wasn't sitting in your account and you had to sell your stocks or your index fund portfolio or ETFs or whatever it is to try and make ends meet. It's an absolute disaster. So liquidity is really important. You must have cash in your bank account, lying around, not to be invested, ready to be used for an emergency. Now, I'll talk about emergency funds in episode 24, so if you're interested. What I'll do in this episode is I'll try and highlight each of those points and I'll refer you to episodes that I've done um, because I think it's really good to consolidate your knowledge when it comes to these basic principles and concepts. Now, the third thing and probably the biggest lesson 
that 2020 has taught me is keep investing. Dollar cost average. Do it for the long term. Don't panic. Don't check the financial news. Turn off the TV. Don't read the financial section of the newspaper. Um, Especially don't read it every day because I just don't think it's useful. I certainly don't pay attention to the financial media Uh, as much as a lot of people think that I do. I actually don't read the financial news at all uh, very much, probably once a week or once a fortnight. And as part of investing, diversification is so important. You know, if you just had rental properties in 2020, then when the government basically said that there's an eviction uh, moratorium, you couldn't raise rents, You couldn't change tenants. If they couldn't pay you rent, then you couldn't really do much in terms of trying to recoup those costs. If you just had property portfolios, that would have affected you significantly. So having property is good, but also having money in the share market or index funds in a broadly diversified ETF, in my view, is probably the way to go. Um, Being patient. 2020 has taught me to be patient. Now, I've kind of lived through the GFC in the sense that when I started investing, um, GFC struck and I was very nervous and I felt that that was a good lesson to be learnt that helped me prepare for the 2020 COVID crisis when it comes to the stock market. So this time around when the stock market crashed, I was steady. I was wanting to invest more. I didn't change my investing habits. I didn't change my uh, amount of money that I invest in the sense that I still kept investing on a regular basis. And in fact, I probably invested more when I had extra cash. So I put all the money in just like I would have done anyway. And here we are at the end of the year when the stock market has, you know, bounced back reasonably well. And I recently just checked my portfolio just last week and I was quite surprised and very happy that it had done really well. I don't check my portfolio regularly because I don't think that's healthy and I don't think it's very useful. And I talk about this with my friends and colleagues and online chat rooms and Facebook forums, etc. And that is when you go shopping and your favorite product is on sale. Why would you not buy more? Um, When the great toilet paper crisis hit Australia, when people were just buying toilet paper, trying to stock up because of the pandemic, you know, if toilet paper was half price, you'd be mad not to stock up. So when the stock market crashed in March by 30%, That's the time to stock up. If you had extra spare money, just put it in the market. And remember, in 40 years' time, when the Australian stock market hits new all-time highs, you'd reflect on what you did in 2020 when the market crashed and said, I hope I'd invested more. And even me, when I reflect back on what happened in March, I wish I'd thrown my money in. If I had extra spare cash, I would have. But I didn't have extra spare cash. But the moral of the story is keep investing.
don't touch your super if you can. Now, a lot of people were in a very unfortunate position of having to touch their super to make ends meet. And that's a very sad thing for 2020. It's a very sad thing to be able to do. But a lot of people took their money, the early withdrawal money from super, and spent it on consumer goods, particularly the first time around, before July the 1st, rather than actual emergencies. And that's what the data shows. They bought clothing, they bought consumer goods, they gambled some of that money. On average, the people that took money out of their super withdrew $8,487 on average. Now, the data is that if you withdrew $20,000 from super, then you'd have about sixty dollars to $80,000 less in super when you retire over the 30, 40 years of compound interest. So, yes, there was a time that people had to withdraw from their super, but if you don't touch it, if you don't have to touch it, then don't touch it. And that goes with any investments. Just don't sell anything. It's my strategy. Buy, hold, reinvest dividends and do it forever because it's the dividends that's going to pay the bills, certainly when I retire. Now, I've talked extensively in the podcast series about investing, about dollar cost average in episode 16. I've talked about common investing mistakes in episode 15. I've talked about active and passive investing in episode 9. I've talked about angel investing in episode 92. Investing in bull and bear markets, how you could structure your investments. Now, to me, I don't really care. I just keep investing in bull and bear markets. It doesn't make a difference to me. That was in episode 91. I've talked about the pitfalls of passive investing. I'm a big passive investor, but it's not without its risks. That was in episode 79. I've talked about ethical investing in episode 74, factor investing in episode 41, dividend investing in episode 31. And I guess the reason I'm mentioning these episodes is that these are the common questions that I keep getting all the time on Facebook via private messenger. There's a lot of topics that we've covered already, and I think it's important to consolidate um, and re-address those topics and try and refine them. And moving forward in 2021, I will be talking more about investing principles and concepts. I mean, certainly that's a given. The fourth thing is budgeting. Budgeting is generally useful. So having a budget and sticking to a budget is very important. So there are various budgeting systems or tools, and I've talked about it in episode eight, where I talk about budgeting strategies. But, you know, there's the 50-30-20 rule. I personally devised my own rule, which was basically the 30-30-20-20 rule. And 30% for your mortgage or rent, 30% for expenses, 20% for luxuries, and 20% of pay yourself money. And that's based on after-tax income. Now, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's a very prominent senator in the United States, part of the Democratic nomination, actually, she was part of the presidency candidates, developed the 50-30-20 rule in economics. And she said 50% of your after-tax money should be on needs and 30% should be on wants and 20% should be your pay-yourself money. Now, it doesn't matter what strategy you use, but you need to have a strategy. To not have a strategy, to not have a budget, is a disaster. It's just waiting to happen. And what not to do is 
try and save money that's left over at the end of the month. That's a disaster. You need to pay yourself first. Your, your strategy has to include money for yourself and your investments first before you take money out and spend it. So episode eight is where I talk about budgeting strategies. Now, the fifth point that I want to make and also that I've learned is that we can actually save more money than we think and we can actually invest that money into investments. Now, the reason for that is because in 2020, due to the pandemic, our lives have been completely changed. We couldn't go overseas. Some states, we couldn't go interstate. And if you were in Victoria, you sometimes couldn't get out of your house. So ironically, by mandated shutdowns, we were able to save more money. So we can always save more money than what we think. And ironically, shutdowns for me personally has meant that the money that I would have spent on travel and holidays, etc., I saved. And I didn't spend it. I invested it. In fact, all the money that I got in refunds from airlines or hotel bookings who were very gracious in order to refund almost all of my money back, I, I, I lost just a little bit of money. I didn't lose very much at all. That was excess money that I was able to then take and invest in the markets. And I was very lucky to be able to get some of that money back in March, April, May, June when the markets were relatively low. So I just ploughed it in. And, you know, just investing that extra money was just something that I've learnt. And we can save more money than what we think. And what this pandemic and what 2020 has shown us is that we did do that. And some of us took that money and invested it. I've talked about automatic savings in episode one. That was my first episode that I released back in mid-2018. This, that basically was where it all began. And in episode 39, I talked specifically about aggressive saving strategies. That was part of the robo-advisory services episode. So saving money is a good thing. And um, we should be able to save a little bit more than what we think we can. Step six or point six that I want to make is protecting yourself and your family by having insurance is important. Now, I'm talking about personal insurance, that is trauma, life, TPD and income protection. It's absolutely vital. One of the things that I've learnt in 2020, and I think I've learnt this even prior to that, of course, is as a doctor, I treat patients who come and see me that are sick whether it be fractures, brain hemorrhages, you know, major stuff, cancer. And, you know, even in a country like Australia where we have excellent healthcare systems at literally no cost to the patient, the public healthcare system is free at the point of care. Even though the patient gets, you know, world-class healthcare, um they can still be financially ruined as a result of not having personal insurance or income protection or life insurance. 
um, and just you know be aware that there are some rule changes coming in 2021, um, which I talk about in episode 66, um, and also way back in episode five when I talk about personal insurance as a general um, concept or principle. But in summary, you know, agreed value is pretty much out the window. Now we're talking about indemnity value. And the first six months of benefits can be, a, you know, can't be more than 100% of your actual income or what was your income. And then the next six months, it can't be more than 75% of your actual income. And the definition of disability is going to change. They're going to be very stringent. And the reason they're doing this is because the income protection industry in Australia is losing money. So they want to protect the industry as much as possible. Otherwise, you know, no one will be offering income protection, which would be a disaster. And of course, in July the 1st, 2021, we're going to see some more changes, particularly with the five-year contracts, with the option of renewal without a medical. But the catch there is that even though there's no medical, um, they will look at your situation, they will look at your occupation, they'll look at your income. So it's a reapplication. So yeah, income protection changes are coming. Um, And it's important to be aware of that. Point seven is how to live without extra money. Now, some people have been very fortunate in 2020 where their incomes have actually gone up. Now, when I treat patients, I speak to a wide demographic of people and some of them have told me that their work has actually increased, you know, particularly with internet services, um, tradespeople, where people have done renovations and all sorts of things during the lockdowns because they had more time. Those people's incomes have actually increased. And when your income increases and you're used to income prior to the increase, so, you know, if you made $100,000 in 2019 and now you've made $125,000, well, you've learned to live with $100,000. So what are you going to do with the extra $25,000? So you can take the 20% and then pay yourself. But I've sort of thought about it and I've thought a 50% aggressive rule would probably be the norm. And the people that I've spoken to um, actually save more than that. With the extra money, they actually take 70, 75, if not 100% of that extra money goes straight into investments because you've learned to live without it in 2019. So why would you touch it in 2020? It didn't make sense. And of course, we couldn't spend it either because of the lockdowns. We couldn't go on holidays, etc. So that actually worked out really well. So living without extra money and using the 50% rule, where 50% of that money just goes straight into investments and the rest of it, you might want to spend it or do something else with it. I think that's a reasonable approach. I don't think that's very aggressive at all. And that is on top of the 20% pay yourself money that you've already done. Step eight is having a diversity, uh, diversification of your income source. It's really important. Having multiple sources of income is extremely important. Now, this may include various jobs. I know a lot of doctors worked extra hours um, because, you know, we needed extra people. We needed more hours, more shifts covered. 
if you had a sniffle, you couldn't work. So that created huge roster gaps, certainly in the medical roster and certainly did in the nursing roster as well. So there was ample opportunity to pick up extra shifts. And having multiple sources of income or multiple jobs and also creating a passive income, whether it be dividends, etc. Now, in my case, I don't touch dividends, but if you had a loss of income, then dividends is an additional source of income, which you could have relied on. Side hustles. A lot of people started side hustles in 2020, which was fantastic. Investment income, rental income from properties, and of course, dividend income. So diversification of income is really important. So having multiple sources of income is going to build your nest egg faster. And over time, the aim here is to stop trading time for income. That is what we're trying to achieve so that we can reach financial independence and not be forced to work because trading time for income is the worst way of becoming wealthy or becoming financially secure. So having multiple sources of income means you trade less time for income. Now, in terms of diversification of income sources, again, I've talked about it in episode 50 in asset allocation. We discuss about diversification. Episode 65, dividends and distributions. What are the differences and similarities? Episode 31, dividend investing. And episode 20, franked dividends. Now, franked dividends, that episode is very unique to Australia. Um, For the overseas listeners, we have dividends which are franked, which practically means the company that pays you the dividends has already paid the tax on your behalf, and therefore we avoid double taxation. And we can calculate what's called franking credits as a result of it and offset those franking credits with any tax liability. It's, It's a very unique system. So For people that don't know what dividends are and they live in Australia and they want to have a retirement based on dividends, I think episode 20 and 31 are probably your best bet. Now, the ninth point that I want to make, and this is a very relevant point, particularly in my field, is you've got to keep healthy. Although that's not strictly a money lesson, I think if you're healthy, it contributes to your wealth. Because you've got to be around to build wealth. If you're not around, there's no point. If you're disabled as a result of a health crisis because you don't look after your health, then it's a disaster. Just like your financial health is important, your physical and mental health is very important. And that, you know, I I do mention mental health because that's a huge problem in 2020. Lockdowns affected a lot of people mentally and physically. We as humans are not designed to be locked up indoors. We're designed to be outdoors. We're designed to be, we're social creatures. So when lockdowns did happen around the world, not just in Australia, but around the world, humans are not built for that. And the last thing you want to do, again, even in a country like Australia, where the healthcare system is actually pretty good and practically at no cost to the consumer, it still means that you could have lost your job if you're not healthy, if you got sick. And that meant that you weren't able to work. And if you didn't have any sick leave benefits, I mean, the casualization of the Australian workforce was very clearly highlighted when low-paid workers who weren't on a permanent contract felt they had to work while they're sick 
in order to provide food for themselves and their family and their loved ones. And as a result, through some no fault of their own, got the virus and spread it. Now, it's very easy for people outside of that environment to point fingers and say, well, why did you go to work if you were sick? Um, And I saw a lot of these patients. I've seen a lot of COVID patients or COVID suspect patients that we need to do testing on. And it's very easy to think about, well, why did you go to work if you're sick? Well, if you don't have sick leave, if you're not entitled to sick leave and you have to work and you are a low-income earner, I could reflect on that and say, well, probably I would have done the same thing because I need to feed me and I need to feed my family. So it was a very tricky situation. So keeping healthy is really, really important and ultimately affects your financial situation. And point 10, this will be the last point, is having a written financial plan, having a plan of some sort. It's really important. Now, my plan is very broad, and that is to keep investing and reinvest dividends and do it for the long run. But some people might have a one or three or five-year plan and trying to stick to it. Um, I certainly look at my financial plan every year and sort of say, do I want to make any major changes to it? And a lot of the times there isn't any major changes because I've kept my financial plan very, very simple. And that concept of having a plan for your money is timeless. It's across all specialties. You know, I, I watched a documentary this year called The Last Dance, which was based on the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. I was a big fan back in the 90s, still am, the greatest NBA basketball team, I think. And I was addicted to the Chicago Bulls. And the recurring theme of that documentary of what Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Steve Kerr, all these people, and Bill Jackson... The recurring theme was championship teams don't win the championship by accident. They plan, they prepare, and they execute. And that's what a written financial plan is. Those are my 10 things that I think are fundamental that I've learnt and reinforced in 2020. And... Coming back to the financial plan, using an analogy of holidays, when lockdowns ended, we planned our Christmas presents. We planned our birthday presents. We planned New Year's Eve celebrations. We planned holidays coming up when borders started opening up. So why don't we plan with our money? Why don't we plan for our budgets? Why don't we plan for our personal finances or investing or superannuation? We need to. It's really important. So those are the 10 things. Now, what's interesting about everything that I've said that I've learned in 2020 in this episode is the money lessons that I've discussed is very similar to what a lot of people that have been relatively successful with their money have done. 
what people have already done with their high net worth individuals, right? They've already done exactly these things. They've got it down packed. Now, I've talked to many people this year, especially this year, actually, who have a seven-figure net worth. And they, pretty much the common theme is they have these things down packed right from the get-go. They've thought it through, they have a plan, and they execute, and they prepare. So this is nothing new. There's nothing revolutionary here. It's about trying to explain it in a way that you, the listener, is able to understand it. And finances need not be difficult. The lessons are the same, and they're timeless. Whether it's a pandemic, whether there's a market crash, whether there's a boom, a bust, a bull, a bear, or a recession, it doesn't matter. So that's Dev Raga's money lessons that I've learned for the year 2020. And this is just a bonus episode. It's a bit of a freelance episode. It's just me talking. I don't have much notes here. I thank everyone for their support for this channel. It's grown quite nicely this year and it probably will grow next year. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, don't hesitate to reach out to me, as some of you already have. And if it's okay, then I'll mention it on the episode. If it's not okay, then I won't. Make sure you sign up to the podcast channel via CastBox or Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or whatever app that you might be using. And please give me a five-star rating. That makes a big difference, particularly in Apple Podcast. I think a five-star rating and a comment or a review, a positive review helps the algorithm. And more recently, Devraga Personal Finance podcast has been rated number 11 on the Great Australian Pods website. So that's fantastic. Not bad for a guy that just randomly started two years ago with a phone and him talking into it. Thank you very much for the support. And once again, I wish everyone a very happy 2021. Um, and I'll say that with the utmost optimism. I think what 2020 has shown when it comes to this virus is that humans can work together and we need to start focusing on our similarities and put our energy into positive things rather than negative things and stop focusing on our differences. With that said, Debraga Rap for 2020. Thank you very much for listening. This is a bonus episode the 10 money lessons that 2020 has taught me. And I hope to see you next year. And as always, please stay safe.